go get it. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for over 25 years. 25 years. So through this podcast, we want to share with you our challenges, our knowledge. And our foibles, our stories, lots of stories, and our ideas on how to create for you and your family the most unique and interesting landscapes. Yes, do we have stories. Imagine, we've been doing this for quite a long time, and uh, one of the things we want to talk about, they're not just stories, but plants. We are both plant nerds, wouldn't you say, yes, Michael? I would say so. Okay. And, and, and the interest continues to get even more intense. It it does. And so we want to share with you, last week we spoke about fall colors and trees that turn colors. But, you know, when you're building a landscape, you need to know about plants. And um, we're going to talk about plants. I know that, Michael, you studied in England. I spent a good time there. And something that people don't realize is that any landscape needs some kind of structure. And here in the United States, we don't have tall brick walls and, you know, gated gardens. So we use shrubbery, not just as structure, but screening. Absolutely. And that's what's so funny is, is that um, we use, you know, the we call it the, the skeleton. And you're right. Um, depending on where you go, you go back east and they have the most incredible stone walls or brick walls, brick fences. And we usually have these six foot, six foot wood fences in California. And that's what we have for privacy. That's what we have for privacy. And also, um, you know, in, in Europe, very often, these big estates, they had walls because the winds would come howling down and they would ruin the gardens. And we don't have that, but we do have fences here in the West Coast. I know the East Coast, they're pretty open backyards, but um, let's talk first about shrubbery. Remember shrubbery? Do you have any shrubbery? That was uh, Monty Python. So, so how about we talk about good plants for privacy and screening? I think that's one of the things that, that's happening, you know, no matter where you are. Lot sizes are getting smaller. Um, they're trying to put more structures into a smaller amount of space because um, every square inch is now worth a lot of money. So what's happening is people are going up. And as they're going up, we're losing more and more privacy. You've got windows on second floors and third floors looking down. And so you always get the feeling if you're in out in your backyard or even your front yard that you're living in a fishbowl. So I think I don't one of the first things that I always kind of consider is what to put in the background for privacy and to give you some privacy and, okay. and security. And, you know, let, let me first mix the idea of Italian cypress. <laughs> that was what everybody planted, you know, in the 60s. They thought, oh, this, this plant gets tall. You're right. It does. It gets about 70 or 80 feet tall, and it's only about three feet wide. So if you have a small yard, you don't want to put a plant that's going to get 60 feet or 80 feet tall. And likewise, you're not going to want to do something like a redwood because right. they get right. tall. But they also have a pretty wide base, could be 30 feet uh, wide at the base. So we're, we're going to deal with shrubs right, right now. And shrubs uh, that are evergreen, because you don't want to put in a screening plant that loses its leaves in the winter. 
Exactly. And that's the whole thing is people say, well, I'm going to plant some trees in the back and that's going to give me privacy. Yes, spring, summer into fall. But in the wintertime, unless you plan on never never opening a window, never going outside all winter long, you want the same amount of privacy all year round. One of my favorites, um, it's a um, it's a it, it can get to the size of a tree, but it's more of a large shrub would be the podocarpus. Podocarpus. Yeah. Podocarpus, the common name is fern pine. Um, and the thing I love podocarpus and podocarpus comes in different sizes. The macai is up to 10 feet. Yes. The ankylai and the gracillars can go up to 50 feet. Um, right. What I found is they do not like brutal all day sun. Right. Right. They like a little bit of shade. So you're going to want to put this on the north side of the house, but it is beautiful um, evergreen shrubbery that, um, it grows, well, I'd say moderately hot. Right. And there is one, a new variety for, if you really want an interesting color, it's called icy blue, very icy. slow grow, growing. Very slow growing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's got a blue gray that is just, it's sublime. It's just to die for. It's beautiful. And so, because I'm such a color nut, imagine if you did um, a hedge out of the blue podocarpus, and at the base you planted black mondo grass. Wouldn't that love be it? That yeah, would be absolutely beautiful. And then, then going right along, I'll, I'll tell you, I have in my own yard, which is really wonderful, and it does double duty. Bay laurels, Laurus nobilis. Mm -hmm. Well, bay laurels is that whole family of prunus. So there's right. the Carolina cherry laurel. There's the bay laurel. Um, there's the English laurel. There's uh, and they're great. They've, yep. they've been for all time for um, you know for hedging. So right, and in fact, in Europe, that that's the big thing. In England, they use a lot of the the English laurel, the Prunus lauricericus, because it it makes such an amazing hedge, and it's got the big leaves. In fact, that's what they originally used to use to make um, the the wreaths, the head wreaths in the Roman days was the English laurel. Well, also laurel is, um, or the prunus are deer resistant, so that's good to know. One of, one of the shrubs I've been using quite a bit, which I really love, um, is the eleocarpus, which is Japanese blueberry. I love those. those they're are beautiful. beautiful. And they're very And they flower. Thin. They do flower. And the regular kind can get quite big. Like Photinia, they can get around 20 feet. But they have a type called Little Emperor, and those get around 10 feet. But they're dense, they're shiny leaves, and... and Really, really beautiful. And you mentioned just as an aside, but we should throw that in for people. The Photinia, Photinia fraseri, um, is it's got a kind of a bronzy leaf. The new growth comes out kind of reddish, and then it turns green. It is a good plant for screening because you can buy it as a bush. You can also buy it as a standard, which means a single stem with all the growth above the, the, the stick. So again, it's nice to kind of block out the neighbor, the neighbor's yard, the neighbor's house. In other words, um, a standard is a tree. Yes. A tree. Um, so the thing about Photinia is it can take brutal sun. It's Absolutely. one of those shrubs like oleander that can take the heat where oleander flowers. And yes, everyone says, oh, it's poisonous. Yes, it's poisonous, but it feeds on carbon monoxide. We all grew up with it. We didn't eat it. And we're still here to tell the tale. <laughs> exactly. And the other thing, another plant that I have fallen in love with it, that's a really nice screening tree is the pineapple guava, the fijoa. Uh, oh, what a yeah. wonderful, wonderful plant. 
Another deer-resistant plant, it's got kind of silver underneath the leaf and a, and a silver gray-green leaf on top. It flowers, and a common name is pineapple guava, and um, the flowers are edible. They're sweet. Right, and the pineapple guavas, it, it tastes like a guava, but with a little hint of pineapple, makes a wonderful daiquiri, and they're just amazing because, um, you know, you do the double duty. You get the privacy, you get the wonderful silver gray, and then you also get the fruit off of it. Right. The alcohol you have to add yourself, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Some other basic uh, shrubs that are deer-resistant and take the heat as well are raphiolipsis. Yes. Indian hawthorn, they also bloom either white or pink. Um, it's one of those nondescript shrubs, but in the spring when they're in bloom, everyone wants to know what they are. Right. You know what I saw recently at the nursery? It's the first time I've ever seen it, and it's mm. really, really cool. Um, they took little gem magnolias. The, 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 the southern magnolia is now a, a dwarf. It's called the little gem. Maxes out at about 17 to 20 feet. But down, now they're making, it in, making them into espaliers, which is the French word for growing it flat on a trellis. And that was a trip to see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that's uh, inexpensive, though. <laughs> no, but the, the, um, actually, Matt Matsudas is now developing them, and, and the price wasn't outrageous. Um, it, that was the first time I've ever seen them, but they had like 80 of them, and they're again on a trellis, and with the beautiful white flowers and the wonderful shiny green leaves with the brown underneath it. And I said, you know, when did that come out? And they said, we just developed it. It's something that we're going to be pushing for an espalier for not only privacy, but an accent wall. Yeah, you know, so many people with these... Um here where we, where we're staying, where we're living in Sacramento, they are going up. There are um, condos that are actually three stories. I mean, I wouldn't. That's unthinkable for me because I want one story with my my knee problem. Right. So, right. But um, they also have very small yards. So if you have a space for planting that's not very wide, an espalier is beautiful. And podocarpus are also espaliered as well. Absolutely. And though you're not going to get privacy, this I recently saw, which I loved, they espaliered um, a pomegranate. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's, well, fruit is traditionally what's espaliered. Um, apples, pears, figs, cherries, uh, yep. citrus. Um, so yeah, that, but they're going to lose their leaves as well. So if, if you, for screening these evergreen shrubs, here's what happens when you first plant them, especially Photinia and Prunus Carolina cherry laurel. These are shrubs that come in and they will make a dense hedge, but they don't do it all by themselves. They're a little bit rangy. And so when you plant them, let's say the second year, the tops will start to sprout. You cut them down a little bit and let the bottom fill out. And you keep doing this. And that's how you're going to get a thick hedge. Right. Absolutely. Because the cherry laurels will turn into trees if you don't do that. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I have a little little uh, funny saying when it comes to all plants. The first year they sleep, the second year they creep, and the third year they leap. Everything, and, and it's true, everything you'll pl plant in your garden the first year and it kind of slowly creeps along. Uh, um, or you don't even notice it's really growing. And the second year, it's starting to fill in a little bit and it's creeping along. But by the third year, once the roots are established and that plant is given some fertilizer and time to grow, oh my God, it leaps and you go, oh, what just happened? I can't believe how much growth I've got out of it. Exactly, exactly. The perennials go a little quicker, but with the shrubs, um, it, it does. It's, it's, it starts slow, but have 
patience because too many people shove too many plants in at the same time to make that instant hedge. And it's going to be a mess. You're going to have to prune. You're going to have to pull out, you know, five years down the line. So read the label, how wide it gets, how tall it gets, and plant accordingly. I generally plant them every five feet. Fotinia? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. I will throw one in and a lot of people are going to cringe when they hear this, but in the right place and you have it growing in your yard and I happen to love it, um, but they're not clean. They're messy, but they're so effective is clumping timber or clumping bamboo. I mean, in the right spot, bamboo can be amazing. Okay. Did you hear that? There's a clumping bamboo. So when when I mention bamboo, people say, oh, my God, it's going to run everywhere. But if you look in Sunset Western Garden and all the different bamboo species, there's, there's a chart that says running, clumping, running, clumping. Right. Running is the Philostachys, and the clumping, they're going to clump to about five, eight feet around. And, right. you know, they they are kind of messy, but they drop right at their base. So I, I've had them for years. I've got the timber bamboo. I've got the Mexican weeping bamboo. I've got the... Alphonse car and nothing grows faster than bamboo. So if you want to screen bamboo, clumping bamboo is what you like. And you don't need to put it in a, um, you know, in, in a bin, unless you want a running bamboo, then you do have to put it in something, something that'll go 30 inches down to keep the roots from going into your neighbors or into the rest of your landscape. Exactly. And I will say in a limited area, Um, where you need a tremendous amount of height, the clumping bamboo, like the giant timber bamboo, it can get 30 to 40 feet tall and um, it can give you the screening that you need. And as I said, you know, I'm living with it. It it drops leaves and it's messy and you have to kind of clean it up. But I will tell you still the drama of it is just amazing. It It really it's amazing. I have I have two two timber bamboo and the canes are about four inches wide. And on a windy day, they clack. They they make a clacking. It's it's like a singing song, and the birds nest in there. And um, it's evergreen, so it'll always be there. Um, it's not going to lose its leaves, and it just flows with the wind. I think it's beautiful. And you know, you're in nature, so nature is messy. Yeah. <laughs> So- no, it's true. It's true. It does. And and I will say the one thing about it is, is that, I mean, when you say fast growing, it grows for a very short time, but it will, it literally can grow three foot um, in a couple of days. I mean, you can come out there, mark a little section when it's actively growing and within a day to two, it's already grown three feet. And it literally, I mean, it's almost like growing in front of your eyes. That's how fast it is, but it has a short growing season, but it grows so fast that who cares? <laughs> right. They say that on um, three years, it could be at its grown height. And of course that's going to depend on the conditions, you know, your soil and whatnot. But clumping bamboo is a wonderful screen. Also, there's a shrub variety of olive trees called little Ollie. And I like them. Olive trees are olea, but the little ollies are wonderful. They'll get six feet by six feet. They make kind of rounded clumps and you don't have to do anything to them. They're beautiful. Those are really pretty. And again, if you the thing that that's um, kind of we're bringing out is we're not only talking about hedges and screening trees, but also different colors. So again, the little ollies are silver gray. The um, the clumping bamboo is is kind of a limey green. 
Um, you know, the, the pineapple guavas are gray, the podocarpus are green. So as you start planting and you want to get different colors using the different plants, and then if you've got something green in the background, then you can, you can afford to do something black or something maroon in front of it so that you really showcase the different colors. Exactly. Well, speaking of maroon, there's loropetalum. And so the loropetalum rubrum, that's the largest variety that can get 12 feet. And it's beautiful. And it also flowers with pink flowers and um, sometimes red flowers. So the loropetalum, which is the common name is Chinese fringe flower. Uh, that's that's a wonderful shrub. And if you want another, not quite, it's kind of maroon brown, is the um, the dodonea, the purple right. seed. I love, I have to say, I like both of them, but I love the loropetalum. There's one variety that actually the flowers, instead of being a cranberry color, is actually a dark red. And um, that that's beautiful. The, my biggest complaint with people with loropetalum is they start pruning them and turning them into what, what my assistant always calls ottomans. They always look like a piece of furniture, you know, like an ottoman. I like them when they're left open and wispy. That's where the drama and they, and they become magnificent. They do. Um, but there's also different sizes. So you, you don't want to, you know, if, if you're going to leave it open and wispy and you have a small area, they're by a variety that gets, they come in, you know, the mini, they come in uh, three feet, five feet. So again, read about what you're planting. That's so important. Absolutely. And, and Roberta's right. I mean, when you go to the nursery and sometimes you see, and it's an impulse buy, you see something that looks really pretty or cute or colorful. And so your impulse is to buy it without actually reading about it or doing your due diligence. And all of a sudden you put it in the ground, the next thing you know, it's overpowering your yard or it's busting out the sidewalk or it's too close to the foundation. You need to read about it before you buy it to know where you're putting it so that you're not putting it in the wrong place. Right. And, and how you're spacing it. Well, um, let's talk about probably the most common hedge, which is boxwood. Yep. Boxwoods are great. Um, there, you know, uh, there's different varieties. There's a Japanese boxwood. There's the, the winter gem boxwood. I like the bigger varieties because even though there's more maintenance to them, they seem to be hardier and you actually can prune them at whatever height you decide you want them. Right. And there's also the dwarf varieties that stay in little dwarfs. So, um, very often if, if you want that kind of, um, kind of like a, a little, hedge around your garden, you know, a little knot garden or something. The, um, the dwarf boxwoods are wonderful. You really don't have to do anything to them. I, I love the look of them personally. This is my personal experience. And this is probably only in the Sacramento area. I love the dwarf boxwoods. They were one of my favorite, but they don't, they seem to come down with spider, um, spider mites. They also die out. Um, I had one job that we planted probably close to a thousand of them. And after a while, they were just dying one after another. We replaced them with the winter gem, which is thriving. I don't know what it is, but from my life, just my experience, I found like the Saracosa the, the dwarf boxwoods don't seem to survive um, really inclement weather. If it gets really hot or really cold, they, they, don't, they don't survive. They're, At least they haven't for me. Yeah, they're a little touchy. I found the same thing um, because I was using some, something hardier, which was the uh, Euonymus microphylla. Yes. But they're very prone to pay, that powdery mildew. 
Yeah. You know what I've been, I've actually, for people that don't want to spend a lot of time clipping, but they want a hedge like thing, the, the dwarf Escalonia, the Escalonia Newport dwarf, which is three by three has that dark pink flower. And again, it kind of the shiny green leaf makes for a nice hedge that you don't have to constantly prune. Right. And it has a cousin that gets quite tall. So if you do want to do an Escalonia hedge, you could you could do that as well. You know, another uh, plant that could be hedged is uh, Tucrium or Germander. Yes, love that silver with little bluey purple flowers. There is you know what would, you know what I was going to say that was really popular a long time ago, and I think because of disease or I rarely see them. Did you ever used to use Hebe? You know, it's just too hot here for Hebe. I mean, if you have a shady, I mean, Hebe grows great in the Bay Area where it has. Yes. You know, that it has that marine kind of moisture. But I have, uh, I usually don't design it in because there's so few um, environments. Right, right. And it used to be years ago, I think it, you know, it was very popular even in the Sacramento Valley. And then they, because of the disease, because they didn't hold out, they stopped using them. But um, if you're in a cooler environment, um, it's a very in- interesting plant and it's a gorgeous flower. It is. Um, what I've started using more and more is an Australian plant called leucodendron. And I don't know if you've used those, but you'll see them in flower arrangements. They're beautiful and they're evergreen and they have them from some that get five feet. I planted one without really paying attention to how big it gets. Here I am telling you. And it's almost eight feet tall. Now, what's the color? Of the, I, I haven't used that. What's the color of the flower? So they have different varieties, but the flower is is made of the leaves, and the leaves are red. So it's like a little red cup of the same leaves. Ooh. They're beautiful. And there's a black leucodendron. There's yellowy-green leucodendron. There's a lot of plants now from Australia that we're using, like the lomandras, the grasses, the leucodendron, the kangaroo paws. Right. They have, in certain areas, the same kind of climate. So uh, we've been bringing in our nurseries more and more and they're they work great oh hey there's also cystus i love the cystus those the rock roses Mm -hmm. so they are extremely 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 drought tolerant in fact if you give them too much water they rot yeah yeah so anyway and they're also deer resistant i keep saying deer resistant because people live in places where they're deer and so one thing you you i mean Good luck trying to have roses around deer. You're offering dessert when you do that. Exactly. It's like a big gourmet salad. I'll tell you another plant that I like, though, in the wintertime, they're bare sticks. But I have to say some of the new colors, as we're talking about plants that are kind of hedging, that give you different um, foliage color, the barberries, the berberus. The berberus, yeah. I I would put those in front, just like the same with the the dogwood. Are they the... Sibericas, the ones that are red twig and yellow twig. Yes, 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 yes. They're, they're beautiful, and um, but they they're known for their you know their winter color. So you don't want to stick them behind something. You want them in front of something so you could really see that color. So these hedges that we've been talking about, those are going to be your background. They're going to be your tallest, and then we're going to continue to talk over the next couple of weeks the the graduation down to the ground covers. 
Right. So again, for those of you that are, are wondering, what are they talking about? We're talking about kind of gradually planting to kind of give you different levels from the very tall to the medium to shorter. And eventually we'll get into the, the shortest of ground covers and then, of course, accents with perennials and flowers. But the ones that we've been talking about today are great because um, it really graduates your not only your garden, but your eyes so that you're not all looking at everything at the same level. Right. And, um, you know, if you really study the different kinds of hedges, you'll find a whole world just with hedges. Just like if you look at conifers, whole yep. world of conifers. And um, if you look at deciduous shrubs, whole world. So it's really worth contemplating. And um, so... What we're giving you is the the backdrop right now to your garden. One thing we didn't mention, which again, those can be great. Um, the the pittosporums or the pittosporums. Oh, those well, come in a the black stem pittosporum, the eugenoides, the tenuifolium. Those are again evergreen. Uh, shrubs that can give you a really nice backdrop where the black stem has a little teeny leaf and the stems turn black, um, whereas the regular pit, uh, Pittosporum tabira, um, bigger world leaves, does have a flower, does have a berry, but makes for a really nice backdrop. Yeah, actually, that too. And I'll add another one, which is the viburnums. I, oh, I love the viburnums. Those yeah. are another. I mean, and these are these are old world plants that if you go to Europe, you'll see them um, grown as hedges. You'll see them as background plants. But again, the viburnums, the all of these, even, you know, I'm not a big fan. In fact, I almost never use, as you mentioned when we started out, the Italian cypress. But if I want something kind of more pencil-like, I'll use some, once in a while, I'll use a thuya. Oh, I use thuyas all the time. So thuya, I always think uh, people have think I've got a speech impediment. Thuya, but yep. uh, the thuyas are in the arborvitae family, and a thuya emerald—they call them schmargard emeralds—they get to ten feet. So if you want a classically conical, um, almost topiary-looking plant, there's the thuya emerald. But with the Italian cypress, let me say that it has a younger cousin—not younger, but a smaller cousin—called Tiny towers. Tiny towers, yes. And yes. they'll get, instead of 60 feet, they'll get 30 feet, and they're slimmer. But if you really want that Italian, you know, or, or you know, architectural or French countryside look, look for the tiny towers. But don't, you know, if you can't really use them as a hedge or you're going to have to use... 50 of them. <laughs> I would recommend what I've seen and I've used it also in design is as an accent, one or two, you know, as you're planting out, it makes for a really interesting accent rather than trying to do a whole hedge with them. But if you, if you've got like olive trees, if you're going in the Mediterranean route and you've got some fruitless olives and then you punctuate, punctuate with a few Italian cypress, it's a really, really cool look. It is. It is a cool look. And as we get further into the shrubs, you know, well, you could you could do the Italian cypress look, the tiny towers, olive trees. And then as you graduate down, you can go to the Russian sage, the Perovska, the silver artemy. I mean, there's so many things we could do, but we want to start with the hedges. That's what we did today. We didn't. Yes. Cholestamon. Uh, Everyone cringes again because that's bottle brush, but they really can be lovely. 
And I, you know, I will say I like, you know, I've, I've got a new appreciation of the bottle brushes. And I saw one recently. Um, I went to an older home. Oh, my God, this the the landscape had to have been 50 to 75 years of age. And they had a weeping bottle brush that was purple. Oh, was, oh, my God. Let me tell you, that was one of the most stunning things I've ever seen. Imagine these kind of these um, brushes. Um, kind of hanging down that were dark, dark purple. Oh my God, it was amazing. They're beautiful. And that too has a very small landscape shrub called um, Little John. And they're three feet by three feet. They've got the bottle brush, but they, they're not sticky and they don't draw the bees like the big uh, Calestamon do. Right. I love the Little John. I think it's a nice, if you want red and you want um, something that's low and, and, but still dramatic, they're beautiful. I mean, I think what's happened, here's the thing that I found is, is that the old saying, everything that's old is new again, and everything that's new becomes old. The old time shrubs that we've talked about um, were, were very popular in Europe. They were very popular even in the 30s and the 40s in the United States. And then they kind of fell out of favor. But now what's happening is whether they be hybrided or they're just being brought up, brought back, some of the old time standards are being brought back in and becoming more popular. And they're popular and they're being brought back because they're workhorses. They work. They do the job. They work, yeah. And so both Michael and I, we've been designing for over 20, 25 years. And we can't design a landscape without knowing the plants are going to last. You're paying thousands of dollars sometimes. You know, even if you're just paying $10,000 or if you're paying $100,000 or $200,000, we have to design plants that we know are going to go the distance or else we're business. I've I found one of the my favorites, but they're short lived in that scheme of thing are the Cyanothus, the wild lilac. They're beautiful. They the are flower short-lived. is beautiful. Yeah, they are short lived. And and that's my biggest problem is if you're doing a landscape for a client that plans on living there and it's a family home and they're going to keep it by planting, you know, some of the Cyanothus, that doesn't mean never plant them. But if you're using them for a background screen and some of them can get really tall, but you only are getting 15, 20 years out of them when you're finally getting the privacy and then they die on you, all of a sudden you're exposed to your neighbor and to the, the neighbor's uh, house and the, and the windows. So what uh, Roberta said is absolutely true. You want to design with things that are long-term, long, that, that have a long life, lifespan so that you get the best bang for your buck. Right. And um, not just long term. That's that's the most important thing. But as we go along, we're going to show you, you know, make you aware of how big things get, because also the other thing is you don't want to have to constantly prune and hedge for year uh, after year after year. So if you plan right, you can get your backdrop in. The next level is going to get to just so high. The next level to just so high. So this is the art. Part of the art of landscape design is knowing how big things get what time of year they flower, what else flowers with them. And we're going to bring this to you. That's what we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we're digging deep with our And I'm Michael Glassman. I'm Roberta Walker. And thank you. And hopefully we've inspired you to go out there and start planting your hedges. Yes. Look at shrubbery. Next week, we'll talk about some of the flowering shrubs, the deciduous shrubs, and then we'll go from there. Sounds great. All right. Thank you. 